This is the Focus on Eternity podcast, encouraging you to abide in Christ in the midst of a busy life. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. The title of today's message is The Blessings of Obedience. We're going to uncover two precious promises from the Lord that are valuable in your Christian walk. The purpose of today's message is to help you understand these promises and provide you with the key that unlocks these blessings in your life. Let's dig in. Over the last few weeks, we have focused our attention on the conscience. And the conscience is defined as the inner sense of what is right or wrong in your actions or motives. It's used to compare your actions with God's word so that you know whether or not you're walking in the light. We have seen that it protects you when it's used properly. But it's dangerous when it becomes polluted and seared. And I want to take a minute, and I want to drive home this this explanation on the conscience so we can move on to the blessings. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Now, I don't think it's necessary to explain a guilty conscience in depth because I think everyone has experienced it before. Right? You did something wrong, and immediately you knew it. The, the jab of conviction hit your heart, and it revealed your sinful action. And even if you did it privately, you know, you were all by yourself. You know, but God knows. You know, maybe you were listening to a sermon, or you were reading your Bible, and the Holy Spirit revealed your disobedience. Man, it's a smack to the face. It's a jolt to the spirit. It's a wake-up call to the soul. But it's also a gift from God. Now, in context, this verse is referring to those who are not saved. Okay, They do not have eternal life abiding in them. And deep down, they know it. And again, in this case, the evidence was lack of love toward others. Now, I don't know, but this could be you. You could be in this boat. You haven't repented of your sins. You haven't turned to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, for cleansing. You haven't been born again by the Spirit of God, and Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Now, you may say that you believe, and you may even try to convince others that you believe, but in the depths of your soul, you know that it's not true. You know that your heart is not right with God. And you try to quiet your conscience, and sometimes you even succeed. But eventually, the truth always rises to the surface. One thing about the conscience, 
well, unless it's seared, you can run, but you can't hide. And there's also something inside of you that, man, if you died today, you're not sure where you're going. You'd like to think that you're going to heaven, but you're not confident. And if you feel this way, well, praise God. Praise God because He's trying to open your eyes. He's trying to lead you to eternal life. He hasn't given you over to your desires. He hasn't allowed your conscience to be seared. He's still calling you, but you must answer the call. Today is the day of salvation, and you must turn to the only one who can provide redemption and grant you the gift of eternal life, and that is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And as I said, in context, even though John is referring to unbelievers, this concept of a guilty conscience, it still applies to Christians. It applies to everyone. You know that if you sin as a Christian, a guilty conscience will rise up. And when that happens, there's only one thing that you can do. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And also, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, He says, My little children... These things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. So if you are a Christian, and you have a guilty conscience, you need to repent. And the Lord is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you. It's time to get back on track. Don't drag it out. Confess your sins to God and ask forgiveness from Him. And you may also need to ask forgiveness from somebody else you may have hurt in the process. But whatever you do, don't run from your conscience. Make it right and move on. See, Jesus came to set us free from the power and the consequences of sin. And a guilty conscience being one of them. And what's great is that He doesn't mask your guilt. He removes it, and then He empowers you to walk in a way that will prevent you from acquiring more guilt in the future. And maybe you've been carrying guilt your entire life, but now, now is the time to let it go. Because He brings new life to all those who will trust in His finished work through His death, burial, and resurrection. He breathes new life into those who will commit their lives to follow Him. Check out this little snip from Colossians 1, 19-23. It says, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, who were once alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, 
grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. You see, only Jesus can cleanse your guilty conscience. But you got to remember that God loves you. And if you let him, he'll do it. Now, if your conscience has been cleansed and you're justified by faith in Christ, then really you should have already received the first promise for today. And that is confidence toward God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So a clean conscience produces confidence toward God. You'll have assurance. You'll have a complete trust that God has forgiven your sins and granted you eternal life. You will know with absolute certainty that you have passed from death to life and that you belong to the family of God. You'll have unexplainable peace as you continue to walk in the light of your conscience. And your heart will rejoice, saying, I'm no longer guilty. I'm accepted. I'm redeemed. I'm loved. But you see, now that Christ has cleansed your conscience, well, you must keep it clean. And I love what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 24, 16. He said, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. You may know this, but before Paul was an apostle, he was Saul the Pharisee. He persecuted Christians. He even had some of them put to death. Then one day, on the road to Damascus, he had a life-altering encounter with the Lord. Saul the rebel became Paul the apostle. Now, he was grateful to God to be forgiven for his past, but he was also careful to protect his present and to guard his future. He made it a priority to never sin against God or other people. Now, the only way to avoid a guilty conscience is to live according to the truth. Because a guilty conscience only arises to those who are guilty. So simply put, don't do anything that would make you guilty. And you might ask, well, I mean, is that even possible? I mean, can you really live your life with a clean conscience? Absolutely. You absolutely can. Because if the Lord has saved you from your old lifestyle then you should have a desire to never go back to it. And all you need to do to maintain a clean conscience is to live up to the light that you have. If you know something to be wrong, don't do it. If you know something to be right, do it. Now on Wednesday nights, I lead a Bible study, and one of our lessons here recently was about the steps to obtaining wisdom through God's Word. And the three steps were Knowledge, which is first you receive truth, then you interpret the truth, understanding it properly, and then third was apply that truth, which is wisdom. So receive, interpret, apply. 
And you, you are accountable for the truth that you understand. So you sin, when you sin, what it is, is you are willfully rejecting the truth and you're choosing to go against your conscience and you're choosing to go against the word of God. Yet when you make the right choice, your conscience affirms it and you have peace and you know. But see, even beyond the power of choice, you have been given the Holy Spirit of promise to guide you in the truth and produce the spiritual fruits of righteousness within you. So is it far-fetched to believe that the same Spirit that opened the eyes of the blind can help me refrain from lying? I mean, is it absurd to think that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can keep me from succumbing to temptation? I mean, do you really believe that nothing is impossible with God? I believe that he is, if he's forgiven my sin and he saved me from sin, I know that he can empower me to keep me from sin, to help me to overcome temptation. And he can do the same for you. You see, because God's goal is to make you like Jesus Christ. And as you mature, he, he may show you areas in your life that are hindering your growth, maybe that you didn't see before. But the honest heart will respond with, yes, Lord, and then turn from them or do them, whatever he's asking you to do. So I think it's wise for all of us to be like Paul and aspire to live with a clean conscience toward God and others. Now, those who do will have access to this next promise. In 1 John 3.22, it says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So the second promise is answered prayer. A clean conscience gives you confidence toward God which also produces an unshakable faith. Hebrews 4.26 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So you go confidently to the Lord in prayer, knowing that He will not only hear your petitions, but He'll answer them. I think, wait, wait a second. Whatever we ask, we'll receive. I mean, that means we can get anything we want. So I can open up my Amazon shopping cart right now and say, Lord, give me all of these things. No, that's definitely not what it means. And we'll probably discuss that topic in later detail, in detail later, um, further on in, in 1 John. But for the time being, in 1 John 5.14, he says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the important detail is according to his will. And how this works is when you have been born again, you receive a new, a new heart and you receive his spirit. And as you continue to mature, your desires become harmonious with his desires. See, your focus is not on this world, but on the things of eternity. 
boldness and effectiveness in prayer is found in God. And we also, on Friday nights, we have a prayer meeting. And when we're there, I mean, we're, we're not praying for new cars or bags of money. We pray for salvation of souls. We pray for revival in the church. We pray for the spirit of prayer to consume congregations. We pray that we'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim His word and fulfill His purpose in the world. We're not caught up in the things of this life. We pray bold prayers because we know that He's willing and able to answer them. Now, some people might think that it's prideful to be so bold. However, Jesus wants us to pray in this way. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. These are the types of prayers that move mountains. These are the kind of prayers that change the world. So, what is the key to having such confidence and effective prayers? I mean, simply put, it's, it's obedience. Maintaining a clean conscience. John says, He answers our prayers because we keep His commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So you must obey God's word and live in a way that he approves of. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand the meaning of the statement. John is not preaching works. He's not saying that your obedience earns God's love or earns your salvation or God's favor or blessing. He's not saying that the more you obey, the more blessings God will provide. Your obedience doesn't earn God's favor. It positions you to receive it. Obedience is the key that unlocks the door to God's mercy and His grace. Because even the call to salvation is something to be obeyed to a certain extent. Right? The Bible says, repent and put your faith in Christ. That's your part. That's your job. And then the grace of God will be poured out upon you. So you must do it God's way, and then you will receive His promise of eternal life. You must meet God's conditions if you expect to receive His promises. You see, they've always been there, but you've been denied access because sin has severed your relationship with God. So if we're looking at this, If a clean conscience gives you boldness in prayer, then then that means a guilty conscience must make you timid in prayer. Uh, Well, actually, it's worse than that. And I I want you to consider the following verses, okay? Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Or... Proverbs 28, 9 says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. And that word abomination means shameful or appalling. 
Or how about this? Here's Jesus himself in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Jesus said, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First become reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So what's he saying? He's saying, if you have a guilty conscience, don't even bother worshiping. Don't bother giving. Don't even bother praying because the Lord will not accept it. Unless your prayer is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Don't even waste your breath. So can you see how important this is? It's extremely important. And when it says then, because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I mean, what a question. I mean, does your life please God? Are you living up to the light that he has given you? Do you have confidence toward him and an expectation that he will fulfill his promises to you and in you? And God wants to pour out his love and his blessings on you. But his requirement is that you trust and obey him. And you see, with such a wonderful God and so many precious promises, you don't need to spend another day with a guilty conscience. Don't go another minute without assurance that you're born again. Because see, if those promises aren't evident in your life, then it's time to go get them. And if you feel the call to commit your life to Christ or rededicate your life, don't run from the call. Confess your sins, turn from them, and fall into the arms of the Savior. Put your faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness and cleansing, and then allow Him to be the Lord of your life. Surrender your will and trust in His goodness. Now, to those of you who have assurance and peace with God, continue to rejoice in Him. Cherish your relationship and strive to live a life without offense toward God and man. And may His blessings abound toward you. I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope this lesson was a blessing. Uh, let this lesson was a blessing to you. Tune in next time as we explain the proper motive for obeying God. God bless you. <laughs>